so um, do you trust your tech? And if you ask for your etching to be done in the lab, and then obviously um, the ultrasonic clean everything here, but you're going to hold me accountable for your your bond because I've done the etch, but then you've tried it in and you've had to re-etch. I don't think um, your tech should ever be accountable for your bond. I think that should be down to yourselves. And um, when it comes to etching, again, back to communication, tell me what you want and I'll do it. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. When I was a foundation dentist, my training program director was Raj Rattan, who some of you may have heard of. His speeches, his stories are, are famous in the dental circles. Uh, he was a great guy and he gave some really good advice to me. He said, Jazz, make sure you pick your technician very carefully because an average dentist with a good technician can go very far. Hello, Patrice Rati. I'm Jazz Galati, and welcome to this episode about five things your technician wish you knew. This episode is all about some things that we can learn as dentists from our buddies, the technicians, who honestly, they work so hard and do such a great job for us. Such an important job, you know? We're the ones who take that final photo and upload it to social media, and we get all the accolades and the applause. But it was actually the technician who made those veneers, or the technician who made that beautiful crown and made it blend in with all that natural anatomy. So I think, Technicians need to get the praise that they deserve. And I'm hoping this episode, they can actually contribute in another way. I.e., I want Graham, who's the technician today, Graham Entwistle, I want him to share his frustrations with us. I wanna basically learn what it is that we can improve so that it makes our technicians' lives easier and produce better work for us overall. So I actually didn't send him any questions in advance of this episode. I just said, just run through your five pet hates or five things that you wish dentists knew. And that's how this episode was born. So before we join Graham and what he has to say on those five points and five lessons, I wanna share a very relevant protrusive dental pearl with you. It's about how we can communicate with technicians better. Now, we live in an era of WhatsApp and Instagram, then why don't we use it? In fact, the way I like to communicate with some of my technicians is via WhatsApp. And on WhatsApp, I can send not only uh, voice recordings and photos, but I can actually show him videos of my patient, my patient smiling, speaking, so they can check the phonetics. And sometimes for my splints, if there's an issue with one of my splints, I will make a video and I'll send it to my technician and say, hey, can you please make sure that the OBD is increased or decreased or whatever? So I think that is the highest clarity, a highest level of communication we can have. It's so much better and less wordy than an email, which we used to do. So I am a big fan of doing videos for communication. So I would encourage you all to do that now. If you want to go to the next level, I have mentioned it before in that episode with Finlay Sutton on Chrome Dentures. If you haven't checked that one out already, please do. Sensational uh, content from Finlay in that one. We talked about the use of something called Loom, which is loom.com. It's a website where you can record your screen and record your video with a presentation, for example, and you can share that very easily with other dentists, your patients, technicians, or whatever. Now, sometimes if you're doing digital smile design and you want to involve your technician in it, then if you go to Loom and if you start recording 
the Photoshop smile design or start adding your lines in or lengths in. You can actually do that while the video screen is recording and you can be speaking over it so your voice is also recorded. That way, it's another dimension of giving your technician videos and you giving your voice instructions for how you want the future work to be. So again, the level of communication is so much higher. And one thing I was taught many years ago is when you do videos for your technicians, you could put your emotions, your anger, your frustrations, your desperation for things to go right in that video. Uh, and it makes it so much more human. So I hope you enjoyed that poll. And let's join Graham Entwistle and five things the technician wished you knew. Graham Entwistle, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, thank you. I've been uh, having had a hectic day, but um, nice to be settled down and um, just chilling, talking to you. Well, I appreciate you joining me this evening. Uh, and you are away from your family now. If I remember correctly, you have five kids? Yeah, just literally just turned five children we had um, a baby girl on new year's eve so um yeah hopefully the last one of the clan <laughs> well congratulations for the latest edition uh tell me about is it was it a boy or a girl it's a girl our first one was a girl and our last one's a girl so the rest are all boys in between if i'd had any more boys i think i would have uh, taken a little one-way ticket somewhere <laughs> what, what's her name? The, the the latest addition to the clan? Hope. I think it's quite suiting for the times that we're living in as well as um, being a beautiful name. This podcast itself is about, it's more where you get to vent your frustrations in a good way, in a banter way. Obviously, I'm not going to, I'm going to make sure you don't lose any clients and stuff, but like everything that, everything that technicians ever wanted dentists to know. But before we get to that, I just want to, you know, for you to give an introduction about yourself. Tell us about where you work, how long you've been a technician for, what your main interests are in that sort of field. I'm um, a one-man band, basically. I own my own lab. It's just me. I do everything start to finish on my own. Um, I started Trueform Dental up in Harley Street originally with a friend of mine um, up at 152 under Martin Scheller. And, um, yeah, he he got rich on Bitcoin and decided that he was going to take some time off. And um, I took the brand and I just bought it home, pretty much. So I'm now in East Sussex, uh, close to my family. I decided that I was never going to lead the sort of way that I've seen many technicians do. And, you know, not see much of their family and, you know, spend all the time in London in basements and, you know, especially in the West End, everyone's mainly in basements unless you're, you're paying through the roof for rent. Um, so, yeah, I decided to make the journey home and I started almost from scratch. I had one client who joined me right from the very start and um, I've built from there, really. So I'm very grateful she joined me. Well, that's a cool story, but I, I, I want to touch on that, actually. As, as a father myself, got one kid, and he's so energetic, and uh, I, I want to give him uh, a lot of my time where I can, but, you know, it's, it's a busy lifestyle. We live as dentists and as technicians. How do you do it with five kids? It's ridiculously hard work, and it's hard to plan because, as a technician, you know, we don't have a booking-in sheet or whatever, you know, where you've got your patients coming in at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. We haven't got that. So some days we've got nothing coming through the front door. And as a technician, you just start worrying. You're sort of like, I've had no, no phone calls, no cases coming, no impressions, no no Arturo or Trios scans. It's just like, you know, what's happening? What's happening? And all of a sudden on Thursday, you get this absolute block load of work comes through the door and you're just like, right, I'm expected to do all of this now, you know, and I've lost three days work, you know, pretty much. But the thing is, even if you've got a little dribble of work in the lab, if you're not there getting it done, then 
that happens and then you find yourself under the cosh and that's when you just start working ridiculous hours so you know just stick with it keep going and the work will will turn up on your front doorstep i never appreciate it. i mean thank you for giving us that insight uh, i never actually uh, thought about it in that way especially as a as a solo technician yourself i can i can now yeah put myself in your shoes and and appreciate that yeah work comes when it comes and sometimes you might have uh, quieter days and sometimes it might come all at once so you know kudos to you for raising a family of, of beautiful uh, five kids uh, including hope so that, that's amazing man i'm so i'm so uh, happy for you you know as a father it's it's so tough uh, you know especially in your industry so uh, hats off and, and keep going my friend keep 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 doing the time uh, for both family and for profession but this uh, episode is going to be all about profession so give it to us graham don't don't hold back the five things that you wish dentists would you know would know or start doing better start with number one what is your biggest frustration with dentists the first thing and foremost is the communication that you get with dentists and it's not always there. Some are really good at it and some are really dismally poor. And, you know, you, there's, you've got no control over that really sometimes. And, you know, you might get a lab ticket. You've got no phone call, nothing but to tell you that the work's going to arrive. You get the lab slip and it says Emacs shade C2. And that's it. That's the detail that you've got. You know, if a little tooth notation, most of the time that little date return date box is filled, but it's not always filled. And it's just like, so already I feel like I've got to make a phone call on the job. And it's just like, oh, I've got the time to make like 10 phone calls, you know, it's like just based on the lack of information that we've got. So, um, yeah, the lab tickets, I mean, I'm quite guilty. I'm, I need to update my lab ticket because it doesn't ask for enough detail. Um, so, you know, I ask for a shade, a stump shade. It would be nice to get some sort of patient expectation from that sheet and any information on, you know, whether there's any adjacent restorations because trying to match an Emacs, for instance, to a porcelain bonded crown can be really quite difficult. And uh, yeah, you choosing the right ingots, et cetera, et cetera, can be really difficult on that sort of side of things. I guess the ideal dentist for you would be, I mean, with the whole date thing, yeah, I mean, totally. They should always be giving you a date because... It's just how the world, the world works. But when it comes to the lack of information in terms of all they said is A3 Emacs and that's it, that sometimes it might be because, yes, it might be because the dentist may not feel they need to give any more than that, then fine, we can discuss that. But it might be actually due to a lack of knowledge from a dentist, right? So let's educate them right now. In, in one minute, what additional information can they give you with that prescription that will really, really help you? Um, any sort of... Um additional features of the teeth um, whether you want a heavy contact a light contact or a contact point every dentist kind of has their own way of doing things so especially if you're a new client or we haven't done any work together or haven't done much work together as much detail as you can put onto those lab sheets the better um, obviously you know I've done crowns where I've just had a shade and I've done it and I've pressed it in a like medium translucent ingot for instance and the core has been grey, you know, and, you know, you haven't told me that, but you expect the remake done for free. And it's just like, well, hang on a minute, you know, is it, is it really my fault? You know, I don't mind meeting you halfway, you know, as soon as it's a first time instant. But if it happens again, then I'm going to have to charge you full price, you know. So it's all time taken out from myself. And like I said about other details, like lab um, return dates, 
you know, if they're not there, I have to ring you up. And sometimes I get a return date and it's a week and I ask for two weeks, but you haven't phoned me up to ask me about that. So I've now got to make that phone call again to see if I can actually squeeze that in. Well, three things we can learn from that in reverse order. One is if you want a quicker turnaround, it's just a uh, common courtesy to call your lab and almost like book it in. Like, hey, heads up in three days time, impressions coming. I want a one week turnaround. It gives you an opportunity, Graham, to, to actually structure it and fit it into the right slot so it gets the the, the right time so that that's for sure uh, in terms of the ingots like some dentists might be listening to this young dentist and they weren't they might not be familiar with this uh, graham it's not actually common knowledge a lot of dentists don't know that um emax or lithium disilicate from emax from ivoclar it comes in different ingots so like there's high opacity medium opacity medium translucency low translucency you know there's there's five so sometimes maybe if you haven't heard about this make this episode the turning point where you're going to go and find out that information maybe i'll link to something on the ivoclar website site for that, uh, which would be good because that will help your technician. And the third thing we can learn from what you just said there is give an occlusal prescription. It's not okay to just say, you know, this is the shade, this is the crown. It helps the technician to say there are shim, shim stock holes on these teeth. Put the crown lightly in occlusion in, in, in MIP with shim stock. And then you have something to follow as an occlusal prescription. Do you think I've summarized that well? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's quite a fair summarization, really. Um, especially if you're looking for a top end job. If you want everything just to drop in place, and you know, I'll come I'll come on to this a bit later on. Um, especially when you're just dropping things into place. Some of my clients they like just to have everything ready and they pop it in and they don't have to touch anything. But that's because they've given me the right details or we've been working together for a long time. But yeah, some dentists, obviously, you've got to try these crowns in first, make any adjustments that you might have had. And, you know, every dentist got their own way of doing their own impressions. They've got their own ways of doing their temporaries. And sometimes, you know, the temporaries are swelling, you know, and pushing the adjacent teeth slightly apart or they're just shy of that. So, you know, then the restoration that I've made doesn't quite fit as well as it should. But, you know, we'll touch some of this as we go along. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. I'm going to flip it around for you, Graham. Uh, and this is not against you because uh, um, the, the, the fascinating thing about this podcast recording is, and with respect to you, Graham, I really appreciate that you're a solo worker. I know you're a busy guy. I know you've got lots of clients and stuff. And if anyone wants to use you, great. But I know that's not why you're on here today. I think you're on here because you're passionate. And I've got you on because you're a passionate technician. You haven't got anything to sell. Uh, and that's why I want to bring you on. And it's, it's great. We can have this discussion. But I haven't used you uh, yet. And there's not to say I might not use you in the future. Uh, I haven't used you before. But so this is not an attack on you but 
Recently, I, I sent a resume on a bridge to a lab uh, and I uh, wrote my prescription and I can guarantee, I can tell you now, it's a long essay I, I write for these um, resume on bridges because I want them done specifically. So I, I am almost like a dream client for you with the information that I give, but I wanted the technician to cover over the premolar with the reservoir and bridge retainer. Uh, and I gave that very clearly in prescription, but sometimes it doesn't come back. And then I have to send it back to the labs like, no, cover, do what I said. So sometimes technicians, when we give these uh, detailed uh, sort of descriptions and whatnot, sometimes technicians won't read it. They will not follow our instructions. So that's me airing out our frustration. What do you have to say to that? Well, I suppose it depends on where you're sending your work. Um, if you send it to a sole trader like myself, <laughs> you know, and the contact's good. I mean, I use a lot of WhatsApp. If I've got anything that I want to do differently to your sheet, I will use WhatsApp and leave a paper trail. I'll ask you the questions. You'll verify it with me. If you verify it and say, yeah, that's okay. I then, they've got it in writing. So when it comes to fit and you tell me, oh, I asked for this different. I'll just be like, well, actually we said this, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's what it's about. It's about everyone taking responsibility, having that communication in place. Um, but yeah, if you're going to sell, send it to sort of a, a lab with... So what I like about that, Graham, is that you said about, about the WhatsApp, right? So you would send the, the framework, for example, right? But, you know, you maybe send a photo or a video of the framework. Yes, yes, I'll send photographs, anything like that. Although with WhatsApp recently, I know the kind of the privacy is changing, so I'm going to probably have to swap that as well. But um, yes, you leave a paper trail... Um, you can send pictures, you can send a video if you need to give someone a little walkthrough or a talk of what it is actually you're looking at and why you can't do it that way, you know, and, you know, give someone a justification for doing or suggesting to do what you're doing. That's that's a great one. So uh, if you have a technician that you work closely with to, to exchange on WhatsApp is really good. Yes. I feel from your point of view, if you send some, like some work to a larger lab, for instance, you've got four or five technicians there, sometimes things can get lost in translation and that's where, you know, you end up not getting exactly what you wanted. I, I do agree with you, Graham. I think I think that's what it was. Um, but you know, it got it got sorted in time for the patient. But it's just yeah, uh, an opportunity to to have that kind of discussion with you, buddy. Uh, hit me with number two. So number two is kind of to do with material choices and prepping. So basically, does does your prep accommodate the material choice for your restoration that you've chosen for for that? And I I say this because you know. Going back to Emacs again, unfortunately, Emacs does not like, um, it doesn't like sharp edges and it doesn't like knife edge preparations. So and that's down to mainly the, the particle size of the Emacs um, particles. And if you polish, polish them down, trying to taper it in nicely so you haven't got a step, sometimes because the particle size is quite large compared to Zirconia, for instance, um, you can just polish it away and then you end up shy at the margins and you end up with cracking and, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. So as, as dentists, we should be having a, a better command over materials. But you know what, Graham? Sometimes it's um, sometimes it's a tough call. I, I say that, but I think there are some dentists out there who, who may begin a prep of a tooth of a, for a crown and they haven't already decided in their head which material the crown will be. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm guilty of this in, in the past. When I was a newly qualified dentist and, and, uh, and through lack of experience, I'd sometimes start prepping and, and, I, and I'd be thinking, mm, I'll see what the prep looks like at the end. And it was a lack of experience, lack of knowledge at the time. Many years fast forward, you know that you have to begin with the end in mind because only then can you create the correct preparation. So as a sweeping statement, Emacs, you summarize it beautifully, no feather edges and no sharp internal line angles and sharp bits in general. So make sure it's nice, smooth and flowing. Uh, any other tips you want to give for any other material? So when it comes to bonded crowns as well, if you're looking at leaving, 
leaving knife edge margins don't expect a nice butt fit with the ceramic you will probably end up with a slight gray line so unless you chamfer these things or you know give us a porcelain butt fit margin then you know don't expect a lovely looking fit onto the model so for instance if you've got a bonded crown and you're doing it super gingival try and give us a little ledge and then we can blend the restoration in nicely without any gray gray area showing through how much space do you want at the at that margin ideally to be able to to get a more aesthetic result uh to be able to not get the gray show through so with a metal ceramic um i would say at least 1.3 millimeters at that margin um that's my preference but um with zirconia 0.5 emacs 0.5 as well really um and then you can get a nice pressing seats there flush and um you know you get no defects if you've got a good technician who knows what they're doing and with that zirconia uh we said uh, 0.5 would that be um left monolithic or would you always uh layer it any advice on that i don't know the materials these days especially over the last few years the materials have come on leaps and bounds so um we've now got all these um almost layered zirconias within themselves so they're multi-layered so you've got the the core and the enamel and dependent on how they're sat in in the disc and they're um, in the software themselves um, you can get some really nice results so um, on the original multi-layer though I would say that you know you, you had a graduation line but now this is kind of tapering out and you get some really nice ones coming through and they're blended really nicely so um, I tend to use something called Adite for, for quite a few of my restorations and it's a bit softer on the occlusal compared to some of the really hard zirconias that are out there so it depends on the lab you're using you know you've really got to ask them what zirconias they really use and what they're suitable for so again this comes down to communication so i tend to use um, some really hard zirconias for bridge works and i tend not to go past two pontics together as well so it'd be um, abutment pontic if there's another pontic you can't have a zirk from me you know it's going to be a bonded bridge all day long if you're going to go for a bridge Although I still think fixed, fixed bridges, they always fail over time. But, you know, that's just my point of view as well. Amazing. Uh, great points there. And one thing I want to add on for the dentist listening to this is grooves and slots generally a no-no for zirconia. I think you should go for more rounded hollows than actual traditional slots, which are better suited for metalwork and gold. Uh, would you agree with that, Grim? I agree, especially with the smaller style slots um you've got to think at the end of the day the zirconia is always milled so you've got to think all these little tools that go in and, and mill out they only get to certain sizes and um obviously if they're slightly blunt and they don't quite get in there then it doesn't fit down quite properly and then the technician's got to ream it all out next thing you know it's loose and it's just like wobbling everywhere so um yeah it's it's not really ideal um, to put all the grooves in just something nice and um almost parallel you know just a couple of degrees like like a custom abutment for instance would be ideal for a zirconia amazing uh i've enjoyed those two so far uh material choice as well covered number three hit us graham what are the next frustrations uh, that you want to uh, ease out with dentists so um your impressions uh, almost everything you can be great and spe spectacular at your prepping but if your impressions don't match that sort of standard then unfortunately your lab work's going to come back and be nowhere near that standard so um please always check your impressions um for any distortions or drags 
or you know if you're not getting to grips with certain types of you know um, uh, light body and putty sort of impressions why not try you know if if the situation suits it why not try in program you know that that's one thing that I have never had problems with if I've had an in program impression given to me that prep is always pretty much spot on so yeah what are the most common errors that you would get uh from impressions yeah, you mentioned a few there uh but what is the the, the biggest uh bugbear um biggest bugbear um there's a few things really and it again it just depends on expectation from yourselves as dentists you know um lots of people hate triple trays for instance and some people love them but you know i would say they're great and they've got their place in dentistry and um, they can be used to good effect but don't always expect you know your final fit to be perfect because obviously you haven't got all the excursions of the whole arch and you know there's all the occlusal um, function is not there for you to see or use so um, yeah if you can use a triple tray don't expect your occlusion to be smack on but everything else should be pretty well i think i think the internal fit would be would be fine there it's more about uh yeah like you said the excursions with triple trays which may not be on point well there's a a live stream uh i I did and people can watch it on instagram on triple trays so you can check that out sorry graham i interjected it's it's, uh, the other thing is mainly drags especially around um the preps and adjacent teeth as well so sometimes it can affect the um the emergence profile because the drags come down off the adjacent tooth and your contacts as well so if you check your impression you can you probably always check your prep but do you do you check those adjacent teeth so for the contacts if you've got a drag on that then obviously i'm playing guess you know guess who with you and you know, you could end up being shy of the contact at the fit with the patient. A really good tip I learned once was when you're taking your final definitive impression, let's say you've got multiple preps, it's all around. If you've got some big undercuts, big embrasure spaces between the molars, block them out with either wax or PTFE tape, anything you can to get a better uh, path of withdrawal. That's not going to put stress on your uh, light body. Uh, and that is is a good thing that, you know, I think Jason Smithson taught me that. So uh, I just wanted to just throw that in there for, for the dentist listening, because that will help to get uh, a better uh, impression, less distortions, less resistance to removing, and then less of the sort of uh, breakdown of that impression material, I think. That's a nice tip. But um, yeah, also when you're doing sort of like overlays and onlays, the the detail underneath your prep line is also very important because if you want me to keep the harmony of the natural tooth that's already there and bring it back to kind of its normal life position then obviously that detail is also crucial so yeah, it depends on how good a job you would like done of the of the case obviously with the onlays uh, we want to be super gingival because we should be uh, especially if they're emacs onlays we should be doing them ideally with the ideal isolation under rubber dam so we would be super gingival or maybe equi gingival or you know deep margin elevation that kind of stuff so in those cases yes it's important to give you as much detail beyond the margin so you can get that proper emergence profile so totally agree with you uh, on that as well Number four, we're doing well for time, Graham. I'm, I'm impressed. Are we? How long have we been going for? 25 minutes and this is good. I, I was worried that, you know, you'd be ranting and, and then complaining about us dentists all day long. I'm not here <laughs> to complain. I'm just here to give you guys some pointers, you know, and... No, no, I appreciate that. You are helping us so much. You are helping us so much. Please keep going. So number four is shade guides and shade taking. Um, so say, for instance, you've got a shade guide. It's a generic Vita Classical just like my one 
but it might not be like my one. Your one could be 10 years old. You might have left it in the sunlight for a while, you know, and these things discolor over time. So not every shade guide matches another shade guide. Um, so it helps if you, for instance, have, I try and supply my dentist with a shade guide that belongs to the lab and um, also matches the materials that I use. Um, so it becomes easier then to match these things up. But um, obviously if you, leave these things in random places especially if they're made from acrylic they will discolor over time so yeah before you bin your technician see how old your shade guide is and see if it matches up to you know your technician's one give them a chance when you send your clients uh, these shade guides do you send them the generic ones or do you actually send like uh samples of porcelain like from the porcelain that you use is that something that you do well it's close to that i would love to be able to spend the time giving everyone the porcelain firing and do a porcelain firing of every shade but i don't have the time for that unfortunately but what i do do is um the the, the company i mean i use gc products use lots of them and it's quite a generic feel across the materials everything's got the same name whether it's like um lissy or whether it's metal ceramic or whether i'm using gradia plus you know everything has got the same name and it's got pretty much the same color so if i give everyone a set of shade tabs for that and they pick a generic shade and then they pick an enamel to go with that then that's great because i know then i've got to match maybe an A3 enamel with the A2 shades, you know, and we can get better results than you can a generic classical shade guide. Um, and obviously if there's any internal details, I'll give you a whole load of colors that are on there. Just pick out a shade tab. Like if you're looking through, you see the color in the tooth and instantly if your eyes have seen that color, that's true, pick it out and put it in the bag or put it in the box. Because if you start looking again, you'll actually find that your eyes trick you and tell you that that color's not there. So you look on the next one, you pick out the next one thinking, yeah, it's that one. And it's, it probably was the one before because that's what your eyes have seen first. Your eyes are drawn to it. That's true. So um, yeah, hopefully there's a couple of tips there for you. There certainly are. Have you have you dabbled with the eLab protocol? I haven't actually. I do everything myself. Um, I'll go and take shades. I don't mind taking a road trip as long as it's not you know too often. Um, but a lot of photography really helps in the right type of light. And obviously um, you're holding your shade tabs up against the adjacent tooth that you want to kind of match to, not the, not the temporary that you've got in there. Um, and also talking about if you're already taking a shade match or a shade tab with a temporary there, you're probably wrong. You should take the shade first before the tooth are dehydrated, otherwise you get a shade discrepancy at the end. So if you take your shade first, um, then that's the best way to do that. Take some pictures with some shade tabs in there. And um, obviously if there's internal details, take some nice pictures, tell me the random colors that you've seen in there and I can mimic that to the best of my ability. And generally I've got a good success rate and I've had that eLab and you know, others have, don't have the success rate that they maybe should have, you know, so um, overrated software. Brilliant, no, I, I appreciate that. And I just wanted to give a dentist a, a little tip on, on composite work, actually. To shade guys that we have for composite, a lot of them are made of acrylic, so they're not true representations of the, of the composite itself. So I've actually got a little kit I got from Style or Steel Italiano. Uh, you can actually make your own custom shade guy with a dentine and enamel using whichever composite system you want. Uh, I haven't actually built them yet because I still haven't found my go-to composite yet. I'm still in that phase where I'm, I'm, I, I love my Genial, I use it. 
but I'm getting to that stage where it's going to be out of date soon. I bought it some years ago now. Uh, and I also want to use what my principles will buy me as well. But I think as a, if, as a practice, we switch to one and then we all like that system. It'll be, it'll just work better. So I'm, I'm waiting. I'm almost there. That's one system that I like to use to master that system. And then I'm going to be making these custom shade guides. So I'm quite uh, excited to, to get that done. Sounds very geeky. I know, but yeah, just, uh, just that's why I rely so heavily on putting little buttons of composite and curing them before I choose my shade because that gives me so much more information than an acrylic shade guide would do. So I just want to throw that in there for the, for the dentist. Uh, and then number five, my friend Graham, please tell us what is your final frustration with dentists? What do you wish that we all did better? I was actually talking about this with a fellow technician um, the other day as part of my support network, Great Tech. Um, but we were talking about etching restorations for your dentist. And why? Why do we do it? Why do people ask for it to be etched? Now, either you've got a great trust with your technician, like I was talking about earlier. You know, I've got a couple of clients who just like to just plop them in, you know, without even checking. So that's fine. If you want them etched, um, then I expect you to be pretty much doing that. But if you ask for them etched and then you go and try it in the mouth and you make some adjustments and you take it out and then that etch layer is then compromised. So you then have to clean it all off yourself and re-etch it. And then at this point, you can over-etch and you can end up with a really gravelly, grainy fit surface. And, you know, depending on the translucency of the material that you're using, it can start having an effect on the actual shade and, you know, colour of the restoration. So um, do you trust your tech? And if you ask for your etching to be done in the lab and then obviously um, we ultrasonic clean everything here but you're going to hold me accountable for your your bond because I've done the etch but then you've tried it in and you've had to re-etch I don't think um, your tech should ever be accountable for your bond I think that should be down to yourselves and um, when it comes to etching again back to communication tell me what you want and I'll do it and I think it's good to be uh, prescriptive with the etching as well because what I like to tell my uh, technicians to do is I will say use 5% hydrofluoric acid uh, for 20 seconds as per the, the protocol that I, I learned and I use. I hope I'm not putting you on the spot too much, but is that the concentration? Is that the time that you're doing or do you follow a different protocol as per manufacturer guidelines? It depends on the manufacturer guidelines or the, you know, the, the acid that you've got yourself. So the acid etch always comes with its own set of instructions. So some, it's generally about 20 seconds. I do all of mine for 20 seconds, but some are 30. So I suppose it depends on the concentration of the etch liquid that you've got yourself. And obviously these have a time span as well and they either, you know, get stronger or weaker over time. So. I, I respect that massively and I'm, I'm glad you do that because uh, there was a technician or a, a chain of technicians I was using some years ago uh, and the onlays would come back and they'd look like super etch they look like really chalky uh, and i email saying you know which concentration are you using how long are you using for are you following my instructions uh i didn't tell them what my instructions were because i write them in every case and i said how long are you doing it for and they emailed back a photo of the etch and they said yeah we usually do it for about 60 to 90 seconds i'm like no you're overetching it so totally it's worth uh, exactly it's totally worth picking up the phone emailing and just confirming make sure that every technician within that chain knows you know what it is that you want uh, so that uh, i think the ideal way is exactly how you said it if you're if you're gonna be anal about bonding which we should be we should be anal about bonding then perhaps it's time to do your own etching yes yeah i, I agree if you want to be 100 percent 
in control, do it yourself. You know, that's, that's the only way to do your job properly, especially if you want to do your trying of the crown first. You know, you should be in control of that and um, just let your lab send it to you, you know, um, cleaned, steam cleaned or um, in the ultrasonic. Amazing. Graham, that's it. That's that's a five. And I really appreciate it that we did it in a, in a really good time, actually. This will make for a very uh, listenable episode. Some of my episodes have been mammoth, 90-minute ones, uh, and I sometimes feel, feel bad for, for the listeners. So this could be great. I, I think what we've covered was really impactful. Uh, I think it was really fresh. I think it was a real opportunity for technicians then to sit down and just talk things out. And I'm hoping that uh, hundreds, thousands of dentists out there will now be uh, in a position to pick up the phone, have a better relationship with their technician, and hopefully to hopefully you picked up a nugget or two from graham and myself to improve your technical work monday morning i do have one more nugget if you want it i've missed it out please please let's have it so if you're interested it goes back to what you're prepping basically so um it's about emergence profiles and uh, your contact areas now we did touch this contact area thing earlier now sometimes you get an overlay that comes into the lab and they want their contact areas you know nice and you know but then again, you find yourself that the gap's quite large between the sort of like mesial contact point. But then you've got a really, really high prep line. So trying to get it across to that, you'd end up with a big overcontouring, creating a food trap, which is probably what helped cause the problem that this tooth's in trouble for in the first place. Now, the tip that I've got is if you drop all these distal and mesial margins lower, you can change the emergence profile of that tooth to then come up and butt against the contact nicely. So, um, yeah, that would help myself and yourselves no ends if you can um, pick up and do all of that. That's a fantastic tip there. And I'm going to make it extra tangible for the young dentists who may not have uh, got that. I think you explained it well. I just I think if I was one or two year qualified and I might have thought... I don't understand what that quite means, maybe. Uh, and basically, imagine your crown comes back or an onlay comes back, an overlay comes back, uh, and there's a big distance between your, your uh, prep and the, the tooth behind. But in the situation that you described, you get like a, almost a pregnant appearance of your uh, overlay because it has to stretch all that way. But you can, like you said, if you prep a little bit more south, a little bit more gingival, it allows you to get a less pregnant looking uh, contact that, that actually has a better emergence, hence the term emergence. So, that, you know, Graham, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think, you know, when we come to prep, and looking at our contacts that we're hoping to achieve, these contact areas, it'll be so much better now. So, uh, Graham, with that, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your time. And thanks for following as a technician. I mean, when I made my podcast, I, I never thought that technicians would listen. So honestly, it's so flattering. And I really appreciate you being a supporter of the podcast. Uh, and I wish you and your family all the best. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, this busy life you live. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that you're able to give up some of your time to join me today. Yeah, that's been great to come on. Um, it's it's been nice just to have a little change of what I do from day to day. You know, I, I, I'm lucky as a technician, I get to have breakfast with my kids because obviously I work just up the road from where I live. So I get to pop in and out almost as and when I like, which is nice. But, you know, just to have something different in the current climate is really nice for me to do as well. Are you in a position to uh, accept more clients? Uh, I know you're very busy, but, you know, some people might have listened to this today and thought, you know what? Uh, this this Graham guy, he sounds really nice. He sounds really good. Uh, I'd like to send him some cases. Uh, would you mind uh, dropping me your details? So I could put it on the website, uh, Graham. Is that all right? Yeah, you can put Truform Dental up on the website. I'm on Instagram, obviously. Um, that's probably my primary source, although I do have a website. Um, I'll give that to you afterwards. 
Um, but yeah, I do have some limited space um, for some clientele. So anyone who's interested, um, I like to focus on quality and that's what I'm about. Everything is done by myself and if I can't do it... Yeah, I- anyone locally to you, or I mean, obviously you can accept scans and stuff, but anyone local to you to have that relationship that can visit you as well, that would be a really good opportunity for a, for a dentist who's keen, who's looking for that technician. So definitely check out Graham. Uh, it's at Trueform Dental. And again, I will link that in the show notes on protrusive.co.uk. Uh, Graham, thanks so much. No problems, Jess. Have a nice evening. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I hope Graham brought you some value there. If you want to check out his profile, I'll put it on the website so you can go to protrusive.co.uk, find this episode, and I'll put a link to all his profiles, his lab. I know he's super busy, so he probably can't accept too many more clients, but I'm sure he'll be happy to help you out where he can. I know I've mentioned it before, but we are having a Protrusive Dental Community or Protrusorati WhatsApp group. If you want to be in on this, you've got to join the Protrusive Dental Community Facebook group if you can. Just search it on Facebook. And once you're in there, there's a whole thread about the coming upcoming WhatsApp group. You just put your mobile number there and I'll make sure I get you on. Now, I've been promising this for a while. It takes a long time to add every single person as a contact and then make the group, but I am getting some help with this soon. So hopefully by the time you've listened to it, you've joined in the party and eventually we can have that WhatsApp group that some of you have wanted. So uh, do join that if you'd like to take part. Otherwise, I'll catch you in the next episode, which I'm going to keep a secret, but I'm going to tell you this. This episode is going to absolutely blow your mind. It's going to be sensational. It's someone with uh, someone very famous uh, and you will absolutely love it. And I'm going to keep it a bit of a secret. So I'll catch you in the next episode. Same time, same place.